Hey folks, Double T here, welcoming everybody in from here and around the globe to part two of the Louis D'Onofrio Jr. interview. As you may recall, Louis is the former director of clinical operations of the Regional Healthcare Office of Westport in Weston, Connecticut. And yesterday, Lewis began to tell us the story of the conditions of the clinic when he began work there in 2019 and the struggles that he faced to try to bring the department up to code. He described a little of the pushback that he got from his direct supervisor, Mark Cooper, along with the health department. He talked about rodent infestation, outdated medical supplies, amongst other things like carpets that hadn't been cleaned in 20 years. Can you imagine this in a healthcare setting where you might go to seek medical professional treatment? I certainly can't. Well, if you think that's shocking, I now bring you part two of the Louis D'Onofrio Jr. story. Take me a little further down the road. Sure, sure. So um, later on, we um, I, I asked to look at the budget information again, and now there's about seventy four thousand dollars or so missing. And, and, and Don't it's worry called, about and, and it. Class, yes, correct. It was in the unclassified section. At this point, his uh, secretary um, uh, told me, you know, typically it's not a good idea to get into other people's financial affairs. She said, "It's and, your department." Correct. Correct. It's your financial affair. Correct. And my concern was that I, I have no access to the budget or the money whatsoever. But if this if there's continuously missing money in that budget, I, maybe he's setting me up to make it look like I got to be yeah, yeah. I got to be honest with you. And I'm a pretty straight shooter. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. That's straight out, straight up bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. So so this got me at this point. I'm I it's. It got me quite concerned. Absolutely. So, um, and then at one point, you know, when the pandemic was happening, mind you, it's a nurse and myself in the clinic, right? Yeah. It's not like we have a huge team fighting a pandemic. And the two of us were like, we're, we're team awesome. We literally did things that no one thought two people can do. Like together, we, we helped organize and oversee, uh, bring on volunteers and vaccinating well over 5,000 people during during the beginning of the Congratulations. Pandemic. Thank you, thank you. And, and uh, we are the first in the state of Connecticut to actually test the first cohort pod, the first grouping of people in, in the pandemic. So initially there is a, a couple of cases in the state at the hospitals that the state health department, uh, DPH, was testing. Um, then we got a phone call from someone that was in... Uh, traveling back to South Africa, they said they left a party in Westport and they were sick on the plane. They went home and tested positive for COVID. So then we contacted the host of the party and then and then we did a, we set up a map and we did contact tracing the way that you're supposed to do proper epidemiology, proper contact tracing. We, we, we and, and early on, I knew that this was a, a coronavirus. We tested it with the same swab we do for respiratory infections, a flu swab. So I had some at my private practice. I drove to my practice, brought a big handful of them, and we set up a, a day, and we had everyone set up a drive-thru. We are the first drive-thru testing site in Connecticut. We didn't charge anybody. Uh, on a side note, Mark Cooper was uh, having the secretary, uh, the front staff, call everyone that we're in line with to try to get them to give them $20 over the phone via credit card to pay for the test, which we sent it to Quest. We didn't actually run the test. We, it was no money on our part. 
So he was trying to make $20 per person that we were doing. And then I told him, I, I said, I don't think that's ethical. I asked him to stop doing it because people in line, when we were testing them, they were trying to hand us cash. And we said, I'm not taking cash. I'm not taking anything. We're just testing you. And he said, yeah, but the guy, the person on the phone called me and said, I, this is the only way I can get tested. So we didn't take any money. I was quite upset at that point. And um, not to the point of like, you know, I, I just, I had a conversation with him. I said, listen, that's not an appropriate thing in the emergency. We're a health department. Um, I don't even know what, you know, like, you know, we're not expelling anything, in, you know, in, at this point. So we tested the initial cohort, right? And a bunch of them came back positive. It was like 46 to 48 positive. Wow. Then we contacted those people, did another test round, and we had well over like 150. Wow. Uh, people that were suspected to be positive or were positive. So then it ballooned pretty quickly. Um, we Then I called the vice president of Quest Diagnostic in, based in New Jersey and said, listen, I'm a clinic director here in a regional health department. I have a bunch of people. I need more test kits. So, and this is how we started getting more because I ran out of the ones I had in my office. I didn't have that many. So then we got this huge shipment and like no, no one else was getting this. Like it was like, you know, I had a contract where I would throw them on ice, the, the, the specimens with Quest, and they, they would actually fly them out to California because the only test site to do it. So we're flying these test kits and we're doing them there. Good for you. Uh, and, and this was like, we had to do something, right? I, 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 I couldn't just sit there and do nothing. Um, so then later on, a little bit later, uh, we find out there's people that were making crazy amounts of money off this testing. So one was called Murphy Medical. It was this physician, I think he was based in Greenwich or Stanford. And he uh, created these uh, kind of these portable testing sites. So he started to talk with Mark Cooper. Mark Cooper talked to us. And I said, I, I heard about this guy. I, I, the things I have heard weren't good is that he was overcharging for the tests. I said, I said, I don't want to get involved in this. And he, in other words, said, well, it doesn't matter. He goes, I'm doing it anyway. He goes, because we need to get people tested faster than what you can do. And I said, listen, I was like, I really don't feel comfortable about doing this. I was like, so I would ask that if you're going to do this, do it on the days I'm not at the health district. Because I said, I literally want no part of this. And he said, fine, I'll do it on the days you're not here. So then he came into my office and took all my PPE and the testing kits that we had saved for patients that we do in our community, homeless shelters, things like that. He took it all and he gave it to Murphy. Uh, and then um, I was getting emails from, from community members saying, I got a bill for $1,200 for a COVID test. I got a bill for $1,800. He billed me for two telemed visits and I never even spoke with them. So these were the calls we're getting. They were just billing insurances without services. So I would forward it to the health director and said, this is why I didn't want to get involved with this guy. I think you should stop this relationship. And it kept going. So he knew right from the get-go what we what was going on. So we, we, we don't know, but he was, he was warned, and that was one thing. Um, I didn't appreciate the, the PPE use, and he would contact the town, and he had the, the EMS uh, come and volunteer and swab people themselves, the paramedics and volunteer, and, and police were coming and doing like protection for the site, for Murphy Medical, while he was making a, a profit. And, and the health department and the town was using the resources at no cost. So, so um, he did give them gift cards, though, the, the EMS and paramedics from the health district budget. But still, like, I, I had this disconnect. Well, this guy's doing this thing for potential profit here and, uh, for, and charging people $1,900. And why are we, you know, using our resources? So that was another issue. Um, but, but going back to the, uh, 
the, the budget stuff. So, so I, I, once I, I came across the seventy some thousand dollars, and at that point, there is no real explanation given to me other than they thought it was another QuickBooks error. And then the health director said, "We just switched to QuickBooks. It's probably an error." And I said, "You've you've been on QuickBooks since I've been here, so it's been well over two years. You switched like you know two and a half years ago." Um, and they they kept blaming QuickBooks. So then at this point, I you know the rodent problem still wasn't fixed. I would say every meeting or so we would talk about it in front of all of us all the staff we would say we need the carpets clean we need an exterminator and then the health director would ignore us so i got frustrated about all of this because i i hit a wall i saw progress i saw that we're moving in a positive direction then once i saw that we hit a wall that he wasn't budging like there's certain things that he would not do and one was not clean the carpet not have the office clean more thoroughly during a pandemic uh, the the CTDPH was recommending we had our office and bathrooms, uh, community bathrooms cleaned at least at a minimum of twice a week. We we're barely getting it once a week. Uh, we we're running out of toilet paper, so he would buy it in bulk and he would sell it to the staff at a profit. So if if we ran out of toilet paper, you could buy it from the health director for a profit. Um, so it was getting to the point with um, frugal beyond frugal, and it was getting a, 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 and. Um, Multiple members, employees would come to my office, close the door, and and they would come to me for help because I was kind of, I think the only one that was courageous to kind of talk to Mark about these issues, because, you know. And um, uh, one of them was crying, and she said that he refused to wear a mask. He keeps traveling to New Hampshire. He has a house in New Hampshire, and that's when we were told not to travel. He said he didn't care. He would go for three, four day weekends, come back during a pandemic. The health director would leave, and he wouldn't assign the assistant health director. So we would know, he would say, you have to call me. So he was in a place with bad phone service. I remember texting and calling him, not getting a response. He was out of state. They knew, come back, refused to wear a mask. Um, and they were crying. They're getting anxious. They're saying, I have sick family members. I don't want my, my mother to die or my cousin or, you know. And, and they're saying, but he works near me and he, and he keeps coming by me. And, and it, you know, people kept coming to me. They're like, well, you're the science person here. <laughs> you're, you're the person with reason. And then I would talk about it at our meetings about the importance of mask use, um, you know, uh, how we need to, you know, self-isolate if we travel. And it was falling upon deaf ears. So I, I met with the, at the time, the director, uh, the board, the board uh, director, which was Otis Crawford. He was the head of the board. So the board oversaw the health director. And they would hire him. They would, they would uh, give him raises. They would, they would meet at their meetings. And this individual was the one who actually hired Mark Cooper, which I found out later. So I met with him at a diner after emailing back and forth, sending him pictures of, of rat feces, boxes with like CBs in it that were filled, maybe like like a, an eighth of an inch of, of feces. Okay. Yeah. Enough of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I sent him the pictures and we, we met. And um, uh, we met at a diner. And I said, listen, there's issues with the budget. I gave him the papers. I was like, no one could explain to me where this money is. I was like, to me, it looks like it, it went out, you know, it went away magically, right? And, and, and I don't like that. I don't want to make accusations. I was like, but if I look at the budget, there's an unclassified column that keeps reoccurring where money is leaving unexplained. And it looks like it's through, going out through the clinic, which I can't even buy anything. I can't even buy a Band-Aid without the guy signing off on it, right? So... And then, um, you know, uh, and then when I, I met with Otis further about the, the, the hygiene, 
and I, and it wasn't the first time we, we kind of talked to him Bef- prior to this, I was begging him. I said, just tell Mark to hire an exterminator and clean the carpets. I was like, I was like, please. So the, the, he actually told, he promised me he was going to bring it up without even mentioning my name. And, and I said, do a tour of the health district with the board, see it yourself and then ask him. It never works that way. It though. doesn't work that way. So, and it didn't. So then I met with him again. I was like, listen, this is, this takes serious. This is a serious issue. And he said this. He goes, you know, I'm a Republican. I used to be the chair. I said, I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah, I'm a longtime Republican. And he goes, do you know Mark Cooper used to be a Republican selectman? <laughs> I said, uh, yes. And he's like, you're making a big mistake here, you know. So right there, he was telling me this is a boys club. And, and, and you know, we're going to stick together. And I told him. There's ethical and ethical. I was like, I, I, there's ethics and ethics. I don't care about politics. And I said, we, we just need to get the proper thing done here. So we left that meeting, and, he, and, and, and as we're leaving, he goes, Lewis, he goes, you know, he goes, I'm giving you and your nurse, we're voted to have you have a bonus because all the hard work you did during the pandemic. Ah. I said, well, that was nice. Thank you. So I ended, like, I thought this was a great conversation. He verbalized to me I'm getting a bonus. He goes, that he already voted on. This is great. So later on, he um, uh, and and at the same time when I was talking to the board, I also talked to a detective in the Westport Police. Did he think that was going to shut you up? No. <laughs> well, maybe. I don't know. So um, I, I ended up talking to a police detective, too. I showed them the paperwork, and the detective said, he goes, I've been doing this a long time. This looks, this looks corrupt. He goes, this looks 100% corrupt. And no um, question. Yeah. And I gave all the paperwork, and all of a sudden I get a call from the chief of police. The chief of police is telling me, he said, and I quote, put your big boy pants on and go to your board. He goes, this isn't a police issue. And I said, last time I checked, missing money is a police issue. Right? So he said, but he, then he told me, your board needs to have a forensic audit. He goes, they're the ones that deal with this, not me. He goes, we're not getting involved. He's like, end of story. As if police are no longer in the picture, right? So that was, that was from my understanding. Then, I, then Mark Cooper, uh, soon after that, calls me to his office and said he's very upset with me. And I said, I said, uh, he's, he's a, a slap on the yeah, hand. Yeah. And he said, you know, um, if there's any issue, you come to me first. He goes, I spoke with the chief of police. From now on, you're not allowed to talk to the police. You talk to me first and only. And he said, as I am in charge of this investigation moving forward. And I said... You're in charge of investigating yourself. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. I, I'll help you out. Thank you. No thank problem. you. Thank you. So, and I was like, I was like, I don't think you could do that. I said, but I said, I said, Mr. Cooper, there. I said, I would. He goes, he goes, and you know what? He goes, I'll get a letter from the chief of police and I'll hand it to you, saying you only talk to me. I said, oh great. I said, please get me the letter. And then, and then, um, you never got it, by the way, right? No, I emailed him too. I said, "Hey, I, I'm waiting for that letter. Can you please send it to me?" And then he responded saying, uh, "You know, I never said I was going to give you a letter. I said that you, you know, like he he twisted the words a little bit. So because it was in writing now, uh, and he hated emails. I remember one time he he had his friend come in to test him for COVID, and they were, I guess they claimed they were symptomatic, and he brought them in through the clinic without a mask, and then had the staff put the order in under my name." and swab their friend. So all the orders had to be ordered by me. So he was actually putting in medical orders under my name illegally. So then I sent him an email and I put everyone in the clinic on it. I said, there's to be no orders 
with my name on it without me either doing it as a verbal order or signed off or a standing order. I said it is illegal against the state, the state, state of Connecticut under a DPH rule, I quote, and I cited it. And I said, you're not allowed to put orders in. And, and then he came and he was livid with me. And he said that I was throwing the nurse under the bus. And I said, I didn't throw the nurse under the bus. I said, the nurse was doing what her director told her to do. I was like, I was like, so why are you throwing her under the bus? And he says, he goes, no, he goes, it was a mistake. I didn't know. I won't happen again. I was like, you don't know that medical orders need to be on things. Like I said, you're the director of health. You, you know, like you're, you like you've been here for 10 years. How do you not know that? This sounds like, <laughs> this sounds like, this sounds like a bad B movie. I couldn't yep. even write this script. You couldn't, you couldn't. And then, um, so then the, the ramifications towards me happened. So um, he forbid me to talk to the police. And then the very next morning, I, I go to my desk, or it was like a, a day or two after. I go to my desk, I come in the morning, and I see a piece of paper sitting on my keyboard. Dun, dun, and they dun, said, dun, you are dun, being dun. investigated for, the, for basically missing hep B vaccines. They We're lo- investigating. They, they lock you out of the computer? They didn't lock me out of the computer, but the paper was basically claiming that I need to give Mark Cooper all vaccine records, investigate missing vaccines. I'm being accused of stealing vaccines, essentially. So then, then Mark Cooper meets with the board and says, Lou D'Onofrio was not talking about missing money. He was talking about missing vaccines. So the budget issues are about missing vaccines, and I'm going to investigate Lewis about his vaccines that are missing. So, he, so the board now said, we're investigating a vaccine issue, not a missing money issue. So, and then they believed it. Or this is what they, they wanted to believe or, or what have you. So then now the, the board and the accountant and uh, the hired uh, uh, audit accountant and the bookkeeper all come and manually count all the vaccines. And then I, I talked to Otis, the head of the board, and I said, we talked about this. We met. I said, I told you there's issues with missing money. I said, I told you the issues with rodent and hygiene in this building. The carpets haven't been cleaned in 20 years. People are coming in and out of here. The bathrooms are being cleaned. There's rodent feces everywhere and the ceiling tiles everywhere. I was like, I want, I want this place to be cleaned. I was like, and get this. I said, Otis, you were a pharmacist bef- before you retired. I said, would you ever count pills on a counter with, with rat feces on it? And he, and he laughed and said, no. I said, why do you expect me to do something similar? I said, I am outraged that now you're investigating vaccines that aren't missing. So they were there all day. They counted all the vaccines, found zero, zip, nothing missing. So that's when I said, okay. I said, now, now I know that the time is near, that, that they're going to either try to pin something. They're going to try to set me up in a oh, way. They're going to fire you. They're, they're fire, yeah, they're going to try to get rid of me. So um, and then I go. You, you were technically already gone. Yeah, once I reported, yeah. And then I, I then uh, he was telling his secretary, who was also HR. So mind you, your your secretary, when you tell your HR person something secretive about your boss, they're also the secretary to the boss. So it's going to get back to the boss either way. So so it's the, over. Yeah, and then and that lady's singing already, baby. <laughs> well, you want to hear something that's even crazier? What? So this, the health director is also the board treasurer and the, the secretary. So he keeps track of the minutes. So he keeps track of everything that comes out of that board and oversees all finances. There's no check and balance. There's literally no one. He uses the same account for 11 years. There's no check and balances. I figured the I figured this out like 12 minutes in. <laughs> uh, just to let you know. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Where were you so, when I started? <laughs> so, so, so. Where are we now? 
All right. So so now we're at You're the obviously point. not there anymore. Well, so at this point I'm still there well, and well, and now, I mean. and um they the secretary the days I'm not there they went into my office and took my work materials. So I had a binder that I used for like pretty much everything on my day to day. I had every protocol procedure um, the audits, you know, they, they weren't doing fire alarm inspection where like you do a mock, uh, fire drill. Fire drill. Yeah. So I took that over cause no one else was doing it. Like I was keeping the building compliant. Did you have copies of all of this stuff? So the material, everything was in that one binder and one binder alone. Did you have I had some copies? digital stuff. So, um, I had digital backups of some things that were on my computer. So, but the binder, that was like the mothership of all the material. So if we got audited, you give them the binder and you're good. So they came and took everything. You don't have copies of it. Though. I don't have copies of it, no. See, when you, this is one of the take a piece of advice from an older guy. When you kind of know that the end is in sight, you got to make sure you got copies of everything, hard copies of everything. Yeah. Or a flash drive with copies of everything. Yeah, I have emails and stuff, yeah. Yeah, because you're going to need that proof because they're going to lock you out and they're going to steal yeah. your stuff and you're going to yeah. have a hard time proving your yeah. case. Well, well, that thing, too, t- to my point, like, so you take all my work material, so I can't even function my job anymore, right? Yeah. And, then, and then I gave my notice, and I said, I said that's it. I said, I'm going to, I, I didn't just walk out the door and leave, because I have a moral obligation. You're not that, we're kind, running of, you're clinics. Not that kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, and we're running clinics. We're running vaccine clinics. So when I first started making these reports, he told me he wanted me doing a clinic every day, basically to keep me busy so I can't look into things. So, and things were winding down. The demand wasn't there, but we did what he said. We kept giving out vaccines and I wanted to see out the rest of the vaccine clinics we had before I left because people need these things, right? And and there's a demand and there's a pandemic and we're helping people. So then, um, and I, and I, when I left, I said, listen, I was like, you know, I don't want to be in the building anymore. I was like, so if you need me to stay on for like my, for, for the nurse to give out a few vaccines, I said, I'll, I'll like. I'll sign a paper and say it's like I'm a, I'm a distant director that's physically not here for a week or two until you find someone new. And then after they started locking up all my t- material, I said, I'm not doing that anymore. I said, at this point, like, I don't trust anyone in this building at this point. So I just left. And um, I, then I, I hired a attorney, an attorney, and we um, I filed a uh, federal lawsuit against um, they violated my freedom of speech at this point. So is that all you're suing for is freedom of speech? So it was uh, in the a whistleblower uh, act. Essentially, they penalized me for my freedom of speech. They, they, oh my! I forgot to tell you, they took away the bonus that the the Otis the promised board. You. Yeah, he promised me. They took away the bonus, which we which we don't know exactly how much, but the the, the nursing staff got a thousand. So we thought it was going to be more than that because I was in the director. The director. They took away the bonus. They um, they made up a fictitious vaccine missing case that that showed to be a lie, um, and they were locking up my work materials and, and then making me do all this extra clinics to try to penalize me. Uh, so how about so, not allowing you, giving you the tools to do your job? Correct, correct. That was something that that frustrated me even more so because you're really at this point trying to. You're trying to to demean patient care, yeah. right? So you you really that shows me you don't care about the job, you care about other things, um, and uh, then this whole thing sparked me to become political. 
so I had a, a individual running for selectman in town as a third party. And he, he pr- came to me and he says, I've had issues with Mark Cooper because I guess some five, eight years ago, there was a sewage break in Westport right. and, and toxic you know, stool was spewing into the water. And he helped and he claimed that Mark Cooper covered it up and allowed people to swim there. Um, I, I can't. I, I see. Now, I can't believe that of Mark Cooper based on what I've heard of him. He sounds like a stand-up guy. Oh, of course. Of course, yeah. So so then, so then, he said he's been having issues with him for such a long time that he wants me to run because, you know, he knows how passionate I am about this, about what happened. Are you going to run as a, a, a Republican? Because Mark is a, Demo- is a, he's a, a Republican. You're going to have to run as a Democrat. So we ended up, there was a, a Democrat that already ran, that was in the running. Uh, so we ran as a third party. We were trying to get on the independent and libertarian uh, tickets. We only got on the libertarian. One. Yeah, it's kind of tough to win as a third party candidate. Very tough, very tough. So that this is when I started realizing when the stories came out regarding the health department issues um, was the response from the community. Yeah. So I thought people would be thankful that I pointed out these hygiene, hygiene issues, the the mismanagement of funds. I thought the community would, would be... What you know, was really the response from the community? Extremely negative. Extremely negative. Maybe I, I was... I they all like Mark. <laughs> well, this, that's what I didn't get, right? So I... I had people writing emails, uh, calling me a liar, saying it was my responsibility to clean up the feces, that it was my leftover food that probably caused the rats. This is what people were literally saying, right? They're victim blaming, you know, and victim blaming is disgusting to me. Well, that was was happening. They also don't know the whole story. Correct. Yeah. So hopefully we can shed a little bit of light on it. Yeah. I mean, I I mean, that's extremely thankful. And that's my hope of of us talking today is is really in, in. I, I told my wife after the lost revenue that I had, like I plan on, on donating any other money that we get from the lawsuit because it's not about money. No, it, it, this is not about yeah. money. This is about no, this ethics is and morals. A, ethics, morals, yeah. right and wrong. Yeah, and and uh, and and uh, ethics, morals, right, wrong. Yes, and and uh, doing the right thing. Yes, yes. So so and my wife and I are. are you know, uh, we already talked about where we're going to donate the money, you know, if we do get it from the settlement. Yeah. Um, and uh, Notre Dame High School is one of the places, as well as to various cancer research institutions. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to get this story out there, and we're going to get as many people as we can to share it, and um, we'll see where it goes. And I want to sit down with you after we get it out there. Sure. And... and yeah. uh, you know, let's get some updates. I want to see where the where the court case goes, and uh, we'll check in with you from time to time. And yeah, appreciate and, that. And we'll definitely uh, see if Mr. Cooper has the balls to come on my show and defend himself. I would love that. I would love that. I, so the a few news outlets in Connecticut, Connecticut Post, one of them, Westport Journal, another, uh, really. Um, shed light on some of the aspects of the story not so much the financial issues but really the hygiene of the health department well, I, and, I and he talk, never made a comment I think really. we should talk to uh, some TV stations sure yeah. so um, I, but I think it's a great story and I think it needs to be told yeah. so I will touch base back with you because I want to see you know how the, the litigation proceeds sure, and absolutely. I also think that there's more to the story 
and you know maybe we can talk about other aspects of it as uh, as we go along. You know, I know you're all the way out in Westport, and I'm all the way up in Western Massachusetts, but I'm glad that we actually had a chance to sit face to face. Yes, thank you. Um, I think you're a good guy, and I think you're doing good work, and I could tell that, you know, patient care is is what is most important to you. <clears throat> and to be quite honest with you, it's one of the reasons why I got out of health care. Um, I was in healthcare food service, and one of the reasons why I got out of healthcare was because it. When I got into healthcare, it was all about giving patients everything, and I started to notice that, like, my company started buying other companies. And like we were up here and other companies were down here. And I thought that like we might come here, but we would start bringing other companies up. But mm -hmm. I just noticed that we started, you know, and everything started moving away from patient care. Patient care started not becoming the focus and money started becoming the focus. And they started pulling things away from not only the employees, they took everything away from the employees, but they started taking things away from the patients. Yeah. And, and, and when that happens, I said, this isn't for me. You know, so hence we have the Double T Podcast Network. No, yeah, and I love your podcast. And, thank and, you. and thank you so much for, for uh, having me on. And, and I concur 100%. The patient is always first, and that's why I created my own practice because, you know, it's not about getting rich. I'm not. It, it's really about the patient and, and, and going home at night knowing that you did something great. And, and you know something, you, you know, um, if you do something ethically the right way and morally on a consistent basis, yeah. the money will be there. Yeah. You know, not everybody becomes a doctor to drive a Ferrari. No. no. Just remember it's that. True. That's true. Yeah. You know, I'm certainly not doing a podcast to drive your Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, you know, I'm doing yeah. a podcast because I have a great opportunity to meet wonderful people, learn different things, and be able to get messages out there yeah. about different things. And so far, so good. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, the... The stories that you you've been uh, having with people and, and allowing them to, to tell their side of a story or, or learn about them where they came from, it's it's remarkable. I feel like in our society today we've we've lost a connection yeah. because the internet and, and and we're we're so distant. And then COVID made it worse, right? Yes, it did. So, so so doing this, being able to meet and connect people and and hear hear their voice, you know, it's it's it's. I, I like podcasts more than sometimes just watching a video yeah. be, because you focus on what they're saying. Yes. And, and there's no visual distraction and, and you really get the message. Um, and, and, you know, what you're doing is, is awesome. And, Thank you. And it's, it's a testament to what other people should be doing, too. Thank you. And, and it, it's, it's awesome. It's Thank awesome. you very yeah. much. I appreciate yeah. it. No, please. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Louis D'Onofrio is well on his way to... 
a very successful career. As I said, Lewis is the provider and owner of Best Health Primary Care in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So, double T saying, do your due diligence, mask up when you have the opportunity, hand wash, hand sanitize, and folks, as always, when you have the opportunity to do a random act of kindness for a stranger, please take that opportunity because when you do that, you will make the world a much better place. So until we meet again, folks, this is Louis D'Onofrio Jr. along with Double T saying... So long, everybody. So long. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. The Louis D'Onofrio Jr. story, which I affectionately call Healthcare Drama in Westport, Connecticut. Now, to be completely fair and balanced, I have reached out to Mark Cooper via email And I have extended him an offer to appear on the Double T Podcast Network to present his side of this story. I have also sent Mr. Cooper this podcast in an effort to make sure that he completely understands the topics that we discussed and presented on these airwaves. And the fact that Double T will continue to investigate this story no matter where it leads. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I feel that we have barely scratched the surface here. So I have given Mr. Cooper seven days from today to respond to the Double T Podcast Network to set up a date to appear on our show. So, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed the Louis D'Onofrio Jr. story as I felt it was compelling and something that I think the public, particularly in Westport, Weston, Connecticut should be aware of. So for now, this is Double T reminding everyone that coming up on Memorial Day, we are broadcasting a special show dedicated to all the men and women who have served and worn the uniform and served our country with pride and honor. Our special guest will be seven-time Emmy Award-winning author Peter Lyon, who wrote two amazing books on two unique World War II heroes. The books are entitled American Saint Nick and Merg. I look forward to sitting down with Peter on Memorial Day and doing this special for our veterans. So until then, my friends, this is Double T saying so long, be safe, and folks, take a moment and stop and smell the roses.